Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. Thoughts and comments expressed here are the opinions of Chad and Lou, and not necessarily those of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studios. Caution, this show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 10 of Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversation based on pretty much whatever topic we want. I'm your host, Lou Schwalbach, alongside Chad Knight. This week we'll be talking about something that everyone has listened to the radio has fallen victim to at one time or another, the earworm. Songs considered as earworms are ones that you hear them and they just seem to burrow in your brain no matter how hard you try, you just can't not think or hear it. It can be maddening, especially when the song really isn't that good. It's just so damnably catchy that you can't help but file it away. Today, Chad and I are going to discuss and sample a few earworms we've come across in our history with music. These songs aren't necessarily bad. They just have a habit of being virtually impossible to get out of your head once you've heard them, no matter how many power drills to the temple you take or how much bleach we drink. A word of caution, fair listeners. If you're prone to getting songs stuck in your brain, you may want to consider the fast-forward button as you listen to this. You have been warned. So without further delay, we invite you to sit back and relax while we get this show started. So, Chad, earworms, what are your thoughts? It's kind of a love-hate thing, isn't it? It is, because, again, if it's a good song that you like, it's okay it's stuck in your head, but usually it's the songs that you can't fucking stand... They get stuck in your head. They get stuck in your head, exactly. So what do you got for me for number one? To start off tonight, actually, this one has a story behind it, but it's the Macarena by Los Del Rio. Okay. Everybody's aware of what the Macarena is. It's played at goddamn every wedding and everybody except for myself knows the fucking dance for it i kind of know the dance for it but there's a reason for that and that's kind of the backstory so we'll get to that i know you touch your hips at one time and jump that's about all yeah yeah so the macarena is a spanish dance song by los del rio about a woman of the same name appearing on the 1993 album uh me me mia gusta it was an international hit in 1995 96 and 97 and continues to be popular dance at weddings, parties, and sporting events. One of the most iconic examples of the 90s dance music, it was ranked the number one greatest one-hit wonder of all time by VH1 in 2002. The song uses a type of clave rhythm. The song ranks at number seven on Billboard's all-time top 100. It also ranks number one on the Billboard's all-time Latin songs. It is also Billboard's number one dance song and one of six foreign language songs to hit number one since 1955's rock era began. Listen to this clip. This is a song that once you hear it, you will not be able to stop hearing it for a long time. Speaking of how popular it was in the mid-90s, I got married in 1996. Did they play this at your reception? Oh, my God. I personally, (laughs) I personally danced to it four times. Oh, cripes. Now, I know it was, I mean, it was one of those things where people would request it and the DJ would just keep playing it and playing it. Now, when I requested it, I did request it twice because it was huge at the time and I knew the dance at the time. It is just one of those songs that, 
even talking about it, it's it's playing in the back of my head. Hey, Macarena. <laughs> so I have to ask, speaking of easy dances and things, did you line dance at your wedding? I did not. I have never learned how to line dance. You weren't an Iggy Breaky Heart one? I was not. Oh, I'm surprised, but not really at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So what do you think of this song, Lou? Oh, God. Um... I, I'm conjured up the video, actually, for whatever reason. These two old guys singing with a whole bunch of Latin models digging around, and they're getting kind of gropey, actually. If you remember the video, there's patting them on the butt and things like that. I, as I mentioned before, I don't know the dance. I am proud to say that I didn't fall victim to that. Well, you're one of the few. I, um, I Yeah, I am. And... And you're right, those two guys were the creepiest. They were like, must have been in their 40s or maybe early oh, 50s no, even. I'd say older than that. No, I wouldn't think any older than that. But they were these old dudes and... You, you just realized you said these old guys in their 40s and both of us are in our 40s. Yeah, we're kind of old guys. We don't look that old. No, we don't look that old, you're right. But it is what it is. So, what, what do you got, Lou? My first one, and this song just, oh god, its I can hear it again in my head now because of talking about this, and that's the 500 Miles by the Proclaimers. Oh, yes. It, the song came out in 93, and cruelly they re-released it in 2000. It was used in the 93 movie Benny and June with Johnny Depp and whoever he was in that with. Yep. Do you know where else it was used? Oh god, where? In the um in the sitcom with uh with uh, Barney Stinson, why can't I think of it? How I Met Your Mother. Oh yeah yeah yeah. It was the tape that was stuck in Marshall's tape deck That's for right. years and years and years. And they went on the road trip and that and they were singing it. And, and they would sing yeah. Yep. Okay. Now I remember that. Now the song hit the ra- uh, the radio waves like a virus. Yeah. I don't know what it is about the song. I don't know if it's the Scottish accents on the Reed Twins or the music that's in it. Once it's there, it's there to stay. It's like having that tape stuck in my mental tape deck. Let's poison your mind with this. One tangent on this, but not really. I often come to really hate the song that are overplayed on the top 40 stations, which, as we've discussed in the future, or in the past, I should say, well, I guess we will in the future, too, which is why I don't listen to them. Sometimes later, after the hubbub has died down, I might start to like the song or reconsider. Um, I'm sure we could probably come up with a few examples of that. However, this song, when I hear it, I can't reconsider my ire for it. I have never come to like this song it will always have my final loathing to it and never change. I'm sorry, but I can't stand this song. And now that I have to talk about it, I can't forget it. And hopefully you have something coming up that will replace it. So please go. Well, first I have to talk about the song a little bit. Oh, damn it. Okay. I thoroughly enjoy this song. Oh, you're a dick. I am not a dick. It's just, you know, it's one of those things. I thoroughly enjoy the song. It's It's got a nice peppy beat to it. It's got, you know, guys that can actually sing, which sometimes in the 90s was kind of suspect because they didn't have auto-tune and things like that. Well, they had it. They just were smart enough not to use it. Right. They didn't use it in the way that it's used today. Sure. But anyway, I really enjoyed the song. And, you know, the fact that they used it on How I Met Your Mother brought that song back into my consciousness. And to me, it's not really an earworm. I I love the song, and then I can walk away from it. Yeah, and I I can't. I I can't turn it off. Okay, what do we got next? Okay, so up next, and now this one is not, this is different, um, 
than our, our standard work. So the time work by the cast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This is definitely an earworm. This is definitely a song that once you hear it, you're going to sing along. You're going to remember it for a while. It was a song that was featured in 1973 rock musical, The Rocky Horror Show. And in its 1975 film adaption, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. And again in 2016 TV production that Fox did, as well as a dance performance performed during the chorus of the song. The song is both an example and a parody of the dance song genre in which much of the content of the song is given over to dance step instructions. The dance is one of the major audience participation activities during the screenings of the film and performances of the show. It has become a popular song beyond the reaches of the film and show and is often played at dances and weddings. Let's listen to this clip. It's just a jump to the left. Now, I don't know about you, Lou, but I catch myself singing this song even when not preparing for this podcast. Richard O'Brien was a genius when it came when he came up with the song and placed it into one of the biggest cult classics, Rocky Horror Picture Show. What do you think? You know, and like the last song that we mentioned, I like this song, and it's not an earwig, uh, earworm for me, or an earwig. Let's I, hope it's not an earwig. Yeah, no, I can hear the song, enjoy it, and then just put it aside, be like, okay, that was cool, I heard it, you know. On that note, though, I mean, it's it definitely sticks with you, but it's not something that will never, ever leave. Okay, see, and I, I definitely consider it an earworm, but unlike the last song, I don't despise this song. See, and I like this song as well. Now, speaking of Rocky Horror, have you ever seen the show? Or have you ever been to a midnight showing? I have been to showings, yes. I have um, I, I have the movie. Um, I have tried to get the play done in Wassa for several years now, and it just never happens. I would I would love to go to Madison sometime and check it out, because I bet you it'd be pretty impressive to see, like, with people dressing up and with the squirt guns and everything else. Oh, yeah. In fact, um, a couple of the showings that I went to back in the days before the beer gut, I did. I dressed up as uh, Frankenfurter, actually. And You look like you'd be a better Magenta. I, well, but Magenta was played by a woman, though. What's your point? Okay, good point. Anyway, yeah, you know, what do you got? All right, my next one here, and this is something that I am not only... Not a single person in the world know, does not know this song. And this is Gangnam Style by Psy. Ugh. Yeah. I hate you. You know, K-pop, man. I mean, there's nothing else to say. You know, this single released off of his sixth studio album. Six. I mean, damn, dude. It took the world by storm when it came out. I didn't really hear it on the radio, but I heard snippets of it via iTunes, just like many of the other people of the world. And then went to look at it at the YouTube video, and that was the end of it. That's where it, it got stuck. Let's stick it in your mind for just a second here. You know, and again, like I said, it never left my mind. It's a super catchy song. It's got an easy dance to do, much like the Macarena. I enjoyed this song, even though I never really listened to it, but now I couldn't forget it if I tried. You really like that song? I enjoy the hell of that song. I can't I can't say why. And actually, I have to give my wife the credit slash curse for that, because 
She's more up on the modern music than I am. I still like my classic rock. So when she played that along with um, another song that we'll get to later on, I'm just like, what the hell is this? And then the more and more I listen to him, I'm like, I don't understand a damn thing that he's saying, but I like it. Except Gungan style. Gungan style? That's the Star Wars version. I don't care. <laughs> this song This song has... I, there is no love for this song in my body anywhere. And now... I'm going to hear it the rest of the day. You're very welcome. You're an asshole. Yeah, and? (laughs) All right, so I guess that comes to me next, huh? All right, so my next song is Yellow Submarine by the Beatles. Now, Yellow Submarine is a 1966 song by the Beatles, written by Paul McCartney, credited to Lennon McCartney as all their music was. Right. uh, With lead vocals by Ringo Starr. It was included (laughs) on the Revolver uh, album and issued as a single, coupled with Eleanor Rigby. The single went to number one on every major British chart, remained at number one for four weeks, and charted for 13 weeks. It won an Ivor Novello Award for the highest certified sales of any single issued in the UK in 1966. In the US, the song peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and became the most successful Beatles song to feature Star as lead vocalist. It became the song of the animated artist film, also called Yellow Submarine in 1968, and the soundtrack album to the film released as part of the Beatles' music catalog. Although intended as a nonsense song for children, Yellow Submarine received various social and political interpretations at the time. Let's see what you think of it. to say i love the fact that even though it was meant as a children's song people have to put their own spin on it to make it political of course they do i mean that's the way with especially in the 60s and 70s that was the way with all music well i know but i mean think about it let's it's like let's sing happy birthday okay now what do we mean by happy yes and and exactly what is birthday you know (laughs) no i get you now i will admit that i'm a huge beatles fan and no way i will never deny that This song is melodic and repetitive, and that's why it gets stuck in your ear and you hear it over and over. I don't know. What do you think, Lou? I have never been as big a Beatles fan as yourself. I mean, you never will be. I no, I won't. I don't mind their like their number one hits. I couldn't listen to their whole catalog, but I don't hate them. Fair enough. That being said, this is not one of my favorite of their of their songs. Um, I can't, I can see where it could be an earworm to someone who listens to their music more frequently. And it's definitely a, oh, how do I put this nicely? Um, well, screw nicely. It seems like a weak effort to me. It's like you listen to their other music and then you've got this one. And it's like, wow, this is their junior high stuff. Right. But you got to remember it was aimed at children. It, it sounds was... like it was written by children. <laughs> Although well, it was Ringo. No, Ringo sang it. It was written by McCartney. I thought they all sang that song. No, that's it's that's it's, the chorus though they all sing in it. But. Yes, yeah, in this chorus, but the actual song, the the vocals are are Ringo. Well, anyway, what do you got next, Lou? What I have next is another song that got played to death on the radio. It's "Call Me Maybe" by Carly Rae Jepsen. Okay, I can see that. This one, as I mentioned, uh, played all over the place on the radio in 2012, and "Call Me Maybe" has that teen pop hook that unfortunately got stuck and embedded in my head. I mean, it had a barb on it where normally you just push the fish hook through and you're done. This barb just wouldn't let go. (laughs) So let's let's get that barb in there now for you. Hey, I just met you. This is crazy. But here's my 
Now, the saccharine lyrics in this sentiment is all well and good for a high schooler, but to nearly anyone else, it's kind of pop junk. Yeah, it's definitely bubblegum pop garbage. It's bubblegum you'd scrape off the bottom of a table. If you were lucky and it wasn't off your shoe. Fair enough, yeah. And I, I still don't like it, and if I hear part of it, even just a little tiny bit of it, it's going to be stuck in my head until some other earworm that's worthy comes to try to wipe the slate clean. Unfortunately, with earworms, they have kind of a knack of not being able to leave. It's not like shaking an extra sketch and you're being done with it. It's like, ah, crap. we got to shake the extra sketch, turn it on its head, wipe the screen, and then ultimately go buy a new one because that shit's still stuck in my head. And this is one of the few, I think, at least so far that we've been through, that I agree with you on. I do not like this song. When it came out, I heard it a couple times, and it was just like, it's almost soul-stealing garbage. It's become a meme, too. There's tons of internet memes that oh, are about yeah. it, too. And the memes are kind of funny, but unfortunately, because I know the the music, as soon as I read the meme, I'm like, God damn it, there it is again. <laughs> so what's next for you? All right, well, I'm going to throw back to an episode or two ago. What I consider an earworm, you consider it a guilty pleasure. This is Barbie Girl by Aqua. And it's a song by the Danish-Norwegian dance pop group Aqua. It was released in May of 1997 and is included on the album Aquarium. The song topped the charts worldwide, particularly in European countries such as the UK, where it was number one hit for three weeks. It was also on the top of the charts in Australia for the same length of time, and debuted and peaked at number seven on the US Billboard Hot 100 on September 6, 1997, and it remains Aqua's biggest hit single in the US to date, and their only one to reach the top 20 of the Billboard Hot 100. It is Aqua's most popular work. The song became the subject of a controversial lawsuit of Mattel versus MCA Records. Here, take a listen to this and see if it hurts you as much as it hurts me. The song will play in your head for hours and days to come. I hope you're a fan of Barbie and Ken. Where do we go now, Ken? Lou. (laughs) I I can't tell if that was script or if that was just because you're having a brain fart. I, as we found out on a previous episode, I don't hate this song. This is a guilty pleasure of mine. I enjoy this. But I can definitely hear the earworminess of it because it's just got a hook that it makes you hear it over and over again even after the radio song is over. Hopefully the next song that comes on is good enough to try to replace that. What do you got? What I have is another more modern song. It's All About That Bass by Megan Trainer. Oh, I have a love-hate relationship with that song. I love the fact that I hate it. Okay. And, <laughs> I, and again, we have another song that Top 40 Stations ruined because they played the hell out of it. And anytime you go to a bar, if they want to try to just play something modern on the jukebox, that song almost always comes up. And again, I credit my wife for bringing this to my attention. And now it's kind of like... Whenever someone picks out, like if you buy a new car, for example, you yes. know how like if you buy a car, buy a Saturn, you never realize how many Saturns are on the road until you own that type of car. With this song, I didn't realize it was all over the goddamn place until I, I was made note of the existence of the song, and now I can't not hear it anywhere. Well, here's the problem I had with the song, is Megan Trainer, who is, she's not super skinny, but she's not a big girl by any means, and she tries to play herself off in this song as being a big girl. And I know that a lot of big girls out there hate that fact. I can buy that. I mean, she's right. She's not skinny, but she's 
chubby, you could say maybe. She's not even chubby. She's she's she's, she's, got, she's, she's normal. She's got some meat on her. She, yeah, right. She's got some meat on her bones. She's normal. Um, let's take a quick listen to the song. Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass. Hey, I'm bringing booty back. How could you do that to me, Lou? Well, you know what? It's the song. It's a pep, it's a peppy little bubblegum pop song about a positive body image. So you know what? I'm happy with that. You know, me personally, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say yourself as well, we have not been skinny people in a long time. Uh, not since puberty myself. It's I'm, I'm thinking I was under 200 pounds in fourth grade, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a long time. It's going to be a while. This one, I've come around on, though. I've heard a lot about it. I've heard it at the bar. I've heard it on the radio. And I'm actually not hating it. I'm actually starting to kind of like the song. Not really the message, because I really don't give a crap about that. Just the song itself. Um, it's an entertaining little beat that anyone can tap their foot along to, which is good because once it starts playing, it's going to be heard for a while. Yeah, that's true. It will be stuck in your craw for quite some time. All right, so the next one I've got is just absolute evil when it comes to Earworm. It is, it's a small world after all by, well, Disney, basically. Children of the World was the working title of the attraction. The tentative soundtrack, which can be heard on the album, featured the national anthems of each country represented throughout the ride, all playing all at once, which resulted in disharmonic cacophony. Walt... <laughs> really? Yeah. Did you have to look up how to spell that one? Because I would have to. <laughs> yeah, I did not know how to spell it. <laughs> I could barely pronounce it. What, disharmonic cacophony? Anyway, you Walt... You practiced that a lot. I did, uh, but that's beside the point. Walt uh, conducted a walkthrough on the attraction scale model with his staff songwriters, Robert B. Sherman and Richard M. Sherman, saying, I need one song that can be easily translated into many languages and be played as a round. The Sherman brothers then wrote, It's a small world, after all. In the wake of the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, which influenced the song's message of peace and brotherhood, when they first presented it to Walt, they played it as a slow ballad. Walt requested something more cheerful, so they sped up the tempo and sang it in counterpoint. Walt was so delighted with the final result that he renamed the attraction It's a Small World after the Sherman's Brothers song. It is argued that the song is the single most performed and most translated piece of music on earth. Here, take a listen. Now, I don't know about you, Chad, but children singing can sometimes be creepy. Oh, absolutely. You know, and like, let's use um, the wall. Or oh. not, not the wall. Um, yeah, it is the wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where well, the kids are singing about, we don't need no more education. Right, exactly. And it's, no, it's, it's just kind of, I imagine kids with white glowing eyes and singing in just a monotone voice. It's terrifying. <laughs> and now it's a terrifying song that's going to be stuck in my friggin' head. Well, you know, listening to the song as I was preparing for the show was not bad at first. However, after listening for listening a few times, it stuck, struck me that the song would cause me to go insane if I had to listen to it over and over and over. I think we need to move on to the next one, Lou. I would agree. And just a little final note on that one is, I mean, I would love to go to Disney, like to go to Disneyland or Disney World or whatever, but I have a feeling that I would probably choke a bitch. 
if I had to listen to that over and over. Well, could you imagine Disney. being somebody working on that attraction? No. I think at some point you would just have to learn how to either shut it out yeah, well, you or, have to. It's like working, or you would go fucking insane. It's like working in a stockyard. They can't smell that anymore. Or people working with like sewer stuff. Right. Yep. You know, just like you won't be able to hear that song anymore. Uh, uh, yeah, we're moving on. <laughs> My next one is Cotton Eye Joe by Rednecks. This 94 song was given to us by a Swedish Eurodance group. Mid-90s when it came out, it did pretty decent on the charts, topping at 25, uh, the 25th spot, actually. Blender Magazine had it on one of their worst song lists or whatever, you know. The remixed version of the classic folk song had a thump and beat that really permeated you wherever you go. Uh, let's take a quick listen here. Now, I've heard this song being played a lot. I mean, it's I've been to a country-themed bar in Des Moines where they played it and people were line dancing and just being stupid about it. Also, if you've ever have had... You, have you ever been to Texas Roadhouse when that, they danced that to it? That was the next thing I was just okay. about to mention is that at Texas Roadhouse, when they get it going, they get the whole yeehaws and everything else, and it just won't leave. You know, I don't mind the song. I, I didn't get overexposed to it, so I didn't really hate it, and I actually appreciate what they did. As it's generally, I, I don't know what to really else say. I mean, it's stuck in your head, and it's a guilty pleasure, which is a good thing because it's also one that's never going to leave. You know, Cotton Eye Joe is one of those songs, when you hear it at a dance or something, it's it's fun because it's you're going to hear it once, you're going to go out there, you're going to act like a fool, do your thing, and then it's over. And I can walk away. To me, it's not an earworm. I don't keep hearing it, but I can understand where the hook and the sound of it could be an earworm to somebody. I think not only the lyrics, but I think the the violin, the, the the sex and violins, which I believe is their album title, the violin is what sticks in there more than anything else. Oh yeah, me. absolutely. Just like on certain well ACDC songs, the the bagpipes. Yes, and I you know I love the fact that I they dig use, bagpipes. You know I love the fact that ACDC uses bagpipes. Groups like Jackal use chainsaws for music, and it's just you know when they go outside the box and they use those instruments or devices that aren't standard, mm -hmm. that, to me, that's amazing that they can do that. If they can get it to work. Right. You know, like, um, you know, I'm sure we can come up with other examples, but you're right, with, like, the Chainsaw for Jackal, even though Jackal's a crap band. but Yeah, they kind of are a crap band. But we'll move on. What do you got? All right, so up next, I've got The Final Countdown by Europe. Okay. So The Final Countdown is a song by Swedish rock band Europe, released in 1986. The hell is it with the Swedes? I don't know, but they have an earworm. Maybe maybe it's something in the ice? But written by Joey Tempest, it was the first single from the band's third studio album, also named The Final Countdown. The song reached number one in 25 countries, including the United Kingdom, and was certified gold in the United Kingdom in 1986. In the United States, the song peaked at number eight on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 18 on the Billboard Album Rock Tracks chart. All right, here, take a listen. The repetitiveness of this song, especially the lead-in, makes it just stick with you. Inspired by David Bowie's Space Oddity, in 2009, Joey Tempest told the BBC's Liam Allen, I can trace bands like UFO in it, 
sort of a galloping theme like Iron Maiden had on the number of the Beast album on quite a few songs. I wanted to make a combination of guitars and keyboards. It was a statement on that, and it sort of worked out nicely. So what do you think of this song? Is it an earworm for you? Not really, actually. I mean, I enjoy the song. Um, the opening for it definitely has a hook to it. Uh, I have to say, and I'm sure you probably saw this on TV, I thought it was hilarious when Geico used it. Yes. I uh, Yes. It was, And that kind of brought it back to prominence. Um, I can definitely see the correlation between Space Oddity or Peter Schilling's Major Tom Coming Home with the final countdown. And it's still, it's still just an entertaining song. I can put this one on the shelf and forget about it. So... It's not really an earworm for me, but I can see where it can be for some. Okay, what do you got next? Next we have What is Love by Hathaway. What is love? It's, yeah, exactly. Baby, don't hurt. Yeah. See, and that just brought up a, an old categorized file that you've had for a while now, huh? Mm-hmm. Another Eurodance song, Make the List, uh, What is Love, was played all over the radio and in clubs upon release. Um, it, it actually has lyrics, but nobody really remembers them as much as they remember the main chorus as... Right, absolutely. Determined for us. And let's take a quick listen here. The lyrics, as I mentioned, really are not remembered, and that's perfectly okay. The words aren't what make this, it's an earworm. The main hook is what does it. Even the instrumental version will play, and no sooner it does than it's stuck in your head forever. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you're lucky, you may even conjure up an image of the Roxbury guys from Saturday Night Live doing it, doing the little head bob thing, and especially the one with, the, with Jim Carrey. Yes. Yep, and as, as we're actually kind of making that same head bob thing going on, I mean, <laughs> it's... It just shows how much that one sticks with you no matter what, and it probably will now for going forward. Yeah, you guys are going to be screwed if you keep listening to all these hooks. You're going, to, you're going to, your head's going to explode at the end of this episode. I hope not, but if it does, we're sorry. You're next to Ken. <laughs> all right, so my last one for today is uh, "Blue" by Eiffel 65. Now, "Blue Dabadi" is the official name of the song, is a hit song by the Italian music group Eiffel 65. When I started researching this and I saw there was Eiffel 65, I figured it was a French group, not an Italian group. I would have thought the same thing. But anyway, uh, it was released in 1999 as the lead single from the debut album Europop. The song is the group's most popular single, reaching number one in many countries such as Ireland, the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, France, Sweden, Switzerland, New Zealand, Finland, Norway, Australia, and German... Wow, that was a lot of countries I just labeled off there. What year did you say this was again? 99. Okay, all right. As well as reaching number six on the Billboard Hot 100 in the United States. In the United Kingdom, the song originally entered the top 40 purely on import sales. It was the, only the third single to do this. The song also received a Grammy Award nomination for Best Dance Recording at the 2001 Grammy Awards. I'm sorry, but uh, take a listen. The ability for the song to be part of, of your psyche happens really quickly. In a lot of ways, it's a standard it's standard dance fare. The repetitiveness and the bass in it makes you want to dance and never, ever, ever forget the song. 
I, I'm not a huge fan of this song. And it's an earworm because I, and I think the fact earworms are more of a problem when you don't like the song. Yeah, I can buy that. I don't hate the song, but I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to the song. I just remember being in college um, when I was at the UW and at some of the dance bars, they played this song in Sandstorm and a couple other of the usual fair, and it would never fail. Every, usually Thursday, Thirsty Thursdays, you know, we, okay, we yeah. would go there and I could name five songs that they would play every Thursday. It doesn't matter. And this would almost always be one of those. And you're right. It is an earworm. It's stuck in there. And even with the whiny voice and everything else for the guy singing about his blue house and his blue windows and everything. Yeah. Exactly. It's just, oh, it's pretty awful. All right. Save us, Lou. What do you got? Well, I'm going to finish up with a two shot here. Okay. Bonus song. Yeah. We're going to go our first one with I'm Sexy and I Know It by LMFAO. Uh, okay. Now, uncle and nephew duo LMFAO gave us this gem, lightly used, in 2011. While it's not the most radio-friendly piece, it received plenty of recognition and time on the airwaves, being noted as the first duo with two successful number one singles, the other being Party Rock Anthem, Okay. From, uh, since Outcast in 2003 and 2004. The song is featured in a ton of different movies and shows what could be where the earworm came from. So let's stick this in your head now. I'm sexy and I know it. I'm sexy and I know it. Check it out. Check it out. So it's been drilled in so many different forms of media, it's pretty impossible to avoid it. I can't really describe it. It just makes me laugh whenever I hear it. Could it be that I'm imagining the guys who are singing it and finding it funny because they're really not? Could it be that anybody I know who's used this phrase in real life, even though they're probably not? Well, you know, honestly, it's one of these songs. Have you seen the video? I am trying to put this out of my mind because as, lo- as well as the song, the video is ingrained because of the, the hip thrusting. Yeah, so if you've never seen the video, I, I recommend that you don't. But if you do, be forewarned, you will never unsee that video. Two words, banana hammock. Yes. That's Yeah, that's that's really it. And then the last one I've got, and this one's a little bit... It's more of a funny song, actually, than anything else. It's Thrift Shop or Thrift Store by Macklemore. Oh, I hate this song. <laughs> I hate this song with a passion. And my, my daughters love this song. This is yet another one that I got brought in to because of someone else being ahead of the curve on the music than myself. And now I'm hearing it. You're welcome. I'm going to pop some tags. You know what? On that note, let's go ahead and let the other people listen to this for a minute. I'm gonna pop some tags, only got twenty dollars in my pocket. I'm hunting, looking for a come up. This is awesome. I'm gonna pop some tags, only got twenty dollars in my pocket. I'm hunting, looking for a come up. This is awesome. I really apologize, people. I'm sorry we did this to you. <laughs> Hopefully, we won't do this again for a while. Now, this song really came under the radar. People who were in tune with new music, as I was not, heard about it and listened to it, but it really didn't catch on. After a little bit of time, and word of mouth is what really got it popular, along with the rest of Macklemore's stuff. And it's just a funny song. I'm sorry. The the words themselves are just hilarious. And if really, if you think about it, it's the polar opposite of what almost all the other rappers are all about. 
you know, they're talking about being in the club with rocks and crystal and everything else. And this dude's talking about finding a deal and wearing old people shit. Yeah, he's, he's talking about, you know, I, I was told that the, the, the phrase popping tags means stealing. So you pop the tag off and then, you know, you don't have to pay for it. And he's talking about having 20 bucks in his pocket. You show me another rapper who's talking about having 20 bucks in his pocket. No kidding. And, you know, and honestly, we can all relate to that. Whereas... Like, if you're talking about somebody, again, being in the club or whatever, yeah, I can go to the club. Am I going to buy champagne? No. I'm, I'm going to buy the two-beer minimum because that's going to cost me 15 bucks. No shit. It's, I can go to a movie cheaper, and that says something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and but then you get Macklemore who's talking about, you know, getting a, 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 a something that was only 99 cents or, or right. like, what was the, the sheets that smell like? like piss <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know so i mean it's, it's kind of like an every man's club going it, it's entertaining and i'm gonna also say just to finish this one up i'm i am heartfully sorry that we decided to inflict this upon you however maybe these will get stuck in your head and maybe we'll have some ideas for us for a future episode of earwigs or earworms because they're all things that are nasty and that'll get stuck in your head. So if you have any ideas, where should we send them? Well, you know, you can email us at uh, musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also uh, jump to our Facebook page and you can drop us a line there, too. And that's at uh, Musically Challenged Podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week.